Welcome to Casual Talk Radio Podcast found at casualtalkradio.net. My name is Leister, I'm your host. Thank you for dialing in today, whether you're an existing subscriber or a new listener. We welcome everybody. Got a couple things to get out of the way first, and then we're going to get right into our topic for today. Casualtalkradio.net. That's our website. Check it out for all of our different podcast episodes, past and present. We're constantly making updates. We're refining the website experience. If you have any feedback, we'd appreciate hearing it. You can hit the contact link at the top, fill out the form, come straight to us. You can also leave us a voice message if you want to leave your thoughts on audio, and it may be played on the air. Who knows? Let's go ahead and get into our topic for today. actually quite fascinating how much I distrust what I'm told. This is life lessons. Over time, I've simply been misled multiple times to the point that I simply don't trust. And that may seem concerning. I, I, I admit it's concerning. But I also admit that because I distrust, it's caused me to look out for myself more than I ever have in the past. I've gone through a lot in the workplace, personal space, to the point that I've refined and built that shell. I had a director, and I wrote an article about her on what used to be known as LinkedIn, and I basically said she was the toughest boss I ever had, and she was. And she, always, she had a saying, tough skin, as in things are going to get rough, and you have to be able to harden yourself against what's in front of you. This was never more apparent than 2021. I've told the story. I won't bore you. Today, I had some events happen, and nothing te- nothing terrible, but it convinced me. Yeah, I've, I've hardened myself probably more than I needed to, but at the same time, it was necessary. And if I hadn't done it, I probably would have fallen apart. So, brief update. First endeavor. Of course, I'm the only one I'm basically manning the ship at this point. There's not a lot of work. It's more just monitoring. We know that something is either bad <laughs> or good, and it's going to happen here soon, next couple of days. So I'm kind of watching. There's nothing much I can do. We have a change freeze for that one. Second endeavor, pretty much manning the ship there as well. There's nothing to do other than help guide them. And we found there was something that we needed to document. And if you know project management, if you don't, it's okay. But if you know project management, in project management, you always have to communicate when there's something that you're going to be expected to do why it's important, and what happens if you don't do it. Because leaders need to make decisions, and sometimes they are challenged to make decisions they don't like. What I've learned in the second endeavor, nobody has challenged the people that I'm working with. There's never been hard challenging. When I say challenging, I'm saying somebody flat out saying no. There's been a tolerance for inefficiency. There's been a tolerance for complacency. There's been a tolerance for doing the bare minimum. And that simply doesn't work for me, brother. And so I come in with my unique flavor of challenging that I'm proud of. But I have to be prepared, hardened, for what I know will come back at me. They're not rude people, but there is that resistance. So the reason that I'm calling out this hardening between not just the endeavors, but also on the other side, I was mentioning I'm buying a car. I bought the car had to do the down payment. It's a pretty large down payment. I did that on purpose. I didn't. They offered a lower down payment. I said, nope, let's go higher. Let's pay more. Let's just, because I plan to pay the thing off pretty quick. It'll be paid off less than a year easy. 
So I wanted to get as much down payment as made sense. I could have gone even more, but I wanted to be a little bit studious. I then did some withdrawals, ATMs. And again, I had forgotten for a moment, simply the awesome feeling of stacks of cash in the wallet in your hand. Now it's different because I make so much money. <laughs> the, there are certain ATMs in the world, but specifically in the United States, that will let you go with higher withdrawal limits. Like Chase, if you have an account with them, their limits go as high as $3,000 of the ATM. You can also do a what's called a debit card cash advance if you go inside. Of course, going inside means that you're subjecting yourself to a little bit of weight, a little bit of punishment, and I don't like to do that. So I go to the ATM because I want to pull some cash out just to have it on hand for the trip that's upcoming. The ATMs, my bank is a different bank. It's on the East Coast. There's no local branches. So I can still use my debit card at any ATM. However, I'm stuck at the $500 cap because of the ATM manufacturer, basically the bank, and the manufacturer limits, software limits, hardware limits, and then the banks are pretty much $500 coded. I've tested now Chase. I tested a... Uh, it's Chime, which is pretty much a, a all-point ATM. I'm going to test Bank of America probably tomorrow or maybe the day after. And then I'll test Wells Fargo again, although I'm pretty sure Wells Fargo is 500 bucks. The reason being is I wanted to have enough in cash on hand so that in the event I absolutely had to, I could bite down and rent a car. So I purchased this car, put down payment on. And the reason I'm telling this is because I don't want anybody else to go through this nonsense that I had to go through. What I learned with this, and I told the story about Carvana and the fact that it's not all online. It's not. And there's horror stories all over the web. They, they actually got sued, class action lawsuit for some of this. The problem with Carvana is people. It's, it's people. So the way they work, and I'm not going to tell full, but the way they work is when you do all these things, quote unquote, online, there's still a back office component. There's still people back office that are reviewing it. And humans have to click press buttons and make things happen. And then there's they actually have local dealerships. So they're not this singular company. They're just a local dealer that holds the brand of Carvana. And you go in and you can, you know, do the little coin and the whatever. But if you order online, you're still interacting with a dealer. The dealer has really no incentive to make it easy for you. So I do this purchase. I do the down payment. I, this was 23rd-ish. It was a while ago, pretty much immediately after they requested it from me. I'd call them and said, go ahead and do this. Didn't see anything till today, and I had a theory. So I called them. And turns out, yes, the lady had to clear, quote unquote, everything. So it was sexually done. The money could have been sitting there, and I'm pretty sure it was sitting there for at least two or three days. But because I had to call them, it wasn't going to go anywhere. And there was a risk that it was going to fall through. W will it? What, was it going to or not? I don't know. I'm saying there's a risk of this had I not called. Same thing happened when I first called, uh, you know, after this thing, when I wanted to get the down payment done. It, I had to call them to get the thing moved. I had to call them to get the date updated. I had to call them to do these things. You have to call them. They don't contact you. So you don't stay on them. Things just don't happen. So now I see the web has updated. It says it's all clear. Okay. The date's the second. Uh, presumably that's when it's going to show up. I don't know where it's coming from. It's either coming from Oregon or Arizona. I suspect it's Oregon based on the date. Well, I also need insurance. So I had ordered insurance from the general who I've used before. And similar thing happened. They are underwriting 
sent a notice on their portal, said we need some information to verify an address. No problem. I responded literally within an hour. That was on the 23rd. Same thing. Heard nothing. Notice never went away. I called them today and said, I submitted this. haven't seen anything. Guy says, okay, I'll contact all underwriting. All of a sudden that alert's gone and everything's good. I had to call. I had to, I had to push this and make things happen, which I shouldn't have to do, but that's kind of the reality of a thing. They're not self-actualizing. And so I don't, I don't mind if I'm told, call us and da, 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 da. But when you present it, something is all online and it doesn't really happen. That's when I start having an issue. So now realizing that, okay, <laughs> I had to call for this. I had to call for this. I had to call for this. I still don't trust the car's done until it's literally outside in my driveway with a guy asking me or a lady asking me to sign paperwork. That's where I'm at mentally. And that's why I'm that way. Because I see I can't, I'm not confident that people are going to do their jobs. So this inspired me, this whole fiasco inspired me to talk about workplace and jobs and independent contractors because there's some new laws that are being proposed and all this affects this and what I foresee as the future of work, at least as we know it. And of course, the theory, something that happened about COVID and a theory I've got, and I want to share that with you. Let me jump right in here. I don't think it'll take too long. If you've listened for a while, you know that I work contract. I work for myself. I own my own business. I actually have multiple businesses. If you're new, by the way, welcome. My name is Leister. I'm your host. I have worked very hard not to work full time. I refuse to bow down to what essentially feels like slave labor or slave treatment, I'm not going to do it. So if you're new, you wouldn't have heard the story that I had with the full-time endeavor that I was about to start in October, September-ish, and that fell through because they started trying to cheat me like a take-your-pick child, slave, or robot, and I wasn't going to have it because I have my two endeavors active. They're contracts. So I work for myself essentially, and I make myself available to them and they pay me for my skill. And I make a lot of money. And that's what I want is I can come to work when I choose. Essentially, I dictate my terms. I dictate how I work. I dictate the schedule overall. I choose if I work four hours or eight, nobody treats you like a child in that regard. I work from home. I only go in an office if I feel like it, which there's no reason to because the nature of the work does not require that I do. I have a lot of advantages over full-time because of my setup and it works for me. Now, I was doing this before the pandemic. I was doing this in the mid-2019 before we knew there was a pandemic of any sort. And I knew because I was able to pull it off that this was a doable thing. I was actually working from home as far back as 2014. I was working a contract then. 2015, I worked a full-time, but it was work from home. That was kind of a terrible nightmare. When I worked the 2015 one full-time, it's what told me that full-time probably simply isn't for me. But I did take some full-time work between 2015 and 2019, and I was fine with it until new leadership came in. So now I was able to isolate what the real problem was. It was leaders, managers, managers that don't respect the worker. Managers that want to treat each worker as if they're just a number instead of standouts and identifying specialists and treating people with the respect that they deserve as human beings, mind. Every company now 
has this thing about use it or lose it for your time off, at least in the United States. That means they don't really respect you. And then they'll pressure you. Well, you better get your time off. It's December. You better take your time off. Deep, deep, deep. Because they know that when you try to take time off, they don't staff enough. So then they try to make you feel bad if you do take time off. Then near the end of the year, they make you feel bad for not taking time off. And then if you do take time off, things crash because they don't have enough people. And things went unseen. Instead of simply providing a rollover. I worked at a company 2003 to 2008. And they rolled it over. It was rolled over time. And then you could even offer to have it paid out, which is really nice because you didn't get a Christmas bonus in the position I was in. So you could do a cash out. You could do rollover up to a cap. It was There was still a cap, but not the use it or lose it every year garbage that we do in the United States now. This is a different time. Well, between this use it or lose it scam, because let's be honest, it's a scam. The rise of the cost of healthcare, where now when you want to get a healthcare plan, with my second endeavor, they actually offered some sort of health care if you wanted to buy in. And the prices are outrageous. I can only imagine for somebody who makes way less than I. It's a joke. So what I'm used to is something like, you know, 20 bucks a month or something for a single person. Now they're talking over hundreds of dollars. It's, it's a fraction of what I make. It's the principle of the thing. I think that there's not a lot of respect. And yes, I do expect that the company is going to foot the majority of the bill because think about it it's to their best interest that their workers are healthy and taken care of. So it actually behooves them to pay the lion's share of the cost for health care. The reason that they don't is because they want the employee to eat the bulk of this, which lowers them. They can deduct part of this by simply offering the health care plan. They don't get any additional benefit when they compensate. They know what the game is. So then you've got this use it or lose it, which is a scam. You've got excessive healthcare costs. And on top of this, you're treated like a slave slash Android slash child, depending on what position you're in. And then on top of this, you talk about salary inequality. And I'm not referring to gender-based. I'm referring to based on the role. Your job requires certain skills. Those skills should have a competitive pay. When I say competitive, I'm not saying based on what some bean counter says is competitive. I'm saying what you know you should be able to command because you either worked at a place that paid that or you see that the jobs advertised that paid that. Where we, should, where we should be is that these companies are willing to compete. Okay, if you can prove that you can make $50,000 a year at a job, point me to that job. I'll verify it's the same essential work and I'll, I'll beat that. I'll offer you more because we want you. We want your skills. Instead, what it is is, yeah, go and work there. Do, do, do. And then what happens? The people that are there are struggling to keep up because they can't get the skills that they need to solve whatever business problems. All of this is a rat race now. So I decided a long time ago that I wasn't going to race. I wasn't going to do that anymore. For me, that was an appropriate decision. I accept that that's not going to work for every person. I'm simply sharing the story. I was never going to go back to a world where I was undervalued, where I was disrespected, dismissed, treated like less than what I knew I was. Fast forward. And we see a world where people are getting increasingly into so-called quote gig work. Gig work for those that don't know is defined as work where you're doing it on the side, usually involves your own vehicle to provide a service on behalf of a company. And you are considered what's called an independent contractor. You are not considered an employee. What people don't know about independent contractors, and I speak from experience because that's what I am on my first endeavor. An independent contractor 
what it's supposed to be is that you make your own hours, you determine your own rate, that's a big one, and you control the situation, as in you control how you do the work. What's happened is when you take Uber, is probably the most notable example, but all the food delivery services, your DoorDashes, your Grubhubs, Uber Eats, even Postmates, all these other shipping services like Shipped is one, Amazon's Flex is another one. All of these different services where you're supposed to be basically an independent contractor, you can't control the rate that they choose to pay you. They'll choose to pay you whatever they choose to pay you, and you have really no say in it. You can choose how many jobs you take, but the jobs, whether they're offered to you or not, is not within your control. So the debate has always been, are you really an independent contractor when you, A, don't control the volume of work that you can do, B, you really can't control how you do it, especially not with Amazon, you are you're required to go into their building a certain way. You're required to wear a mask when they tell you. You're required to load it a very certain way at a certain time. You're required to deliver it by a certain time. You have really no control over anything other than perhaps the route that you take. So the debate is if you don't control the rate that you get paid and you don't really control the how of a thing, how can you be classified as an independent contractor? Some people argue with these gig work jobs you pretty much control your own deal. You control your own pay. You can take as much as is available and you can make some money on the side and do it as much or as little as you want. Sure, but if you drop certain orders or a certain threshold of orders or you're late a certain number of times, you can get kicked off the program. That means you have really no control over it. The counter then is these really should be employees. I want to talk about why I think it's important that that conversation continue for those that are either considering or already in gig work. When you pay someone, so I'm talking to business, when you pay someone, there's two components of what comprises the money you pay when it's an employee. The base rate, which is the cash, let's say money, cash, and then benefits. Benefits is usually fairly about 30% of whatever the base is, right? So let's say for argument's sake, they offered you a salary of $100,000 a year. Of that $100,000, it's really only $70,000 in cash, $30,000 in benefits, generally speaking. Not always, generally speaking. When you look at that 30% overhead, if the 30% overhead's not there, you have to foot, foot that out of pocket. When you're an independent contractor now, you don't get any such benefits. That means if you need to get health care for your family, you need to get vision care, dental any 401k or any retirement or anything, you have to put the bill for all these. The problem with not being able to control the rate is you can't account for it in anything which requires you work more. And if that provider chooses to drop the rate they choose to pay you, it means you're actually getting screwed. I talked about this on what used to be known as LinkedIn, that you should really crunch the numbers and make sure you understand what it takes for you to sustain your family with all benefits, plus your day-to-days, your bills, your food, everything to make sure that the rate you're getting paid is truly fair. Cause what you'll probably find is that it's no longer that people can simply just drive Uber as their full-time job. Are there people who drive Uber as their full-time job? Absolutely. They are the exception to the rule. They probably live in places like Boston, Boston, for the most part, you're going to be driving a taxi or you're going to be driving an Uber. I can almost guarantee you without fail, there are places in California Pretty much you're going to drive a taxi or you're going to drive an Uber. 
And that is what it is. There are places in Oregon, pretty much you're going to drive an Uber. But it's the exception to the rule. It's not the consistent, this is what it is situation. That's not the case at all. That's fine. I'm saying that because it's the exception to the rule, you'll have to understand how much it really costs you, whether or not it's viable to try to do it as a sole time, or if you want to try to double up on the jobs. If you double up on the jobs because of what I said before, and companies basically treating you like a child slash Android or slash slave, now you're putting stress on yourself, putting stress on yourself physically, stress on yourself mentally, stress on yourself emotionally, all because your job doesn't pay quite enough to make ends meet. And the gig, you can't really do it full time, even though it has a little bit more control. So then you have the alternative, which is find a different job. And you could do that, but then you're starting over. You lose your seniority, you possibly lose benefits. You could do what I did and just go contract. I submit it's not for everybody. Some people are simply not cut out for doing it. And I understand that too. And I'm not steering you to any one course of action. I'm simply encouraging you to think about how fair our current situation is that people are scrambling to try to get into gig work because they want the freedom, although they don't really have freedom and they end up having to work a full-time job where they don't have freedom either. Now it's a rat race for money. Now it's a rat race to try to make things work and make ends meet. For some, that's okay. For me, I think it's unacceptable but I accept that that's the reality of the way we are right now. So now the laws are being revisited. They're looking at the so-called independent contractor statutes and they're trying to firm up what it really means to be an independent contractor so that it actually does benefit the worker as opposed to benefiting the company. Well, here's the thing. In part of the new guidelines that they're talking about, some employers right now that call people an employee there's a level of control that they exert over those workers where the control isn't necessary. They just do it for the sake of doing it. People are probably okay with it. If they stayed for this long under the new guidelines, it's possible that there's at least an out for some of those people where they can say, given the skill set that I bring, given the very specialized nature of the work that I do, I should be really qualified as an independent contractor. Now, what's missing in these new guidelines is forcing companies to allow the worker to decide which they're going to be instead of the company having that control. Again, goes back to control. If the worker can choose, I choose to be an independent contractor and this is the rate that I want and it's a negotiation, it's a 50-50, or they can choose to be an employee knowing they're going to make less money, but they get the benefits if the worker is allowed to choose, it gives more control back to the worker as opposed to the company. How sustainable is this? I can't say. I am saying that's the world where I think we should go, where the worker has the autonomy to dictate what their relationship is for a given company based on the skill sets they bring to the table. People that are fresh out of college, they won't have skill sets fresh out of the gate. So their leverage is lower. Their negotiation power is less. But I don't think it's healthy to have those people come out of college thrust into a role they're not ready for. There are people out there right now refuse to talk on the telephone. I find that unacceptable because in every business, you're going to need to talk on the phone at least once, even if it's a video call, and you better have the skills to be able to communicate or you're going to fluff, you're going to fail. And I don't think that's doing them a service at all. There are people out there right now. I just talked to somebody online who refused to do a computer. I find that unacceptable. If it were me, I would say you need to master a computer and you better learn to love it because that's the way you put forth a professional presentation in things that you submit. 
not on a tablet interface, as I see frequent misspellings and misuses of words. There, there, and there, for example. I'm just simply sharing that the people that are coming fresh out of college, they're being done a disservice because they don't have the work skills necessary to truly succeed and thrive. As such, those are most likely the people who are scrambling, saying we shouldn't be required to work in the first place. It should just be free, universal basic income because they realize they're not equipped to survive in the workplace. Meanwhile, people that have hard work experience and have been busting their tail in the trenches are being underpriced because all these companies throw money at recent college grads and then get disappointed when those college grads can't keep up in a basic business meeting. We are now at a point of contention with the two. So if you take the second population, the stronger population, the ones that have work experience, and you give them the power to choose the relationship to the employer where the employer cannot say no. If I choose to be an independent contractor, you must accept that offer. Now the rate might be negotiable. You cannot force me to accept a certain rate. My rate is my rate. Now it's up to the company to say, we require that skill and it's worth paying for. And it's truly a negotiation towards fair. Or I might say, I'm cool being an employee. This is what it is. And I need to understand what way I'm going to be treated when I get in there. If I'm fresh out of college, there needs to be some way to mentor those people so that they hit the workforce strong so that they can get to the point that they have leverage. All of this is putting more power on the worker. That's what's lacking in the new rules because they've been lacking all this time. The reason I told that story to everybody, I believe, and this is probably, you know, people can disagree with me. I believe that if we're going to get to a point where the worker needs to step up and take control like we used to have when the rise of unions, and I'm not talking today's unions, they're garbage. I'm talking in the past when the union truly was on the side of the worker and the union worked hard to make sure that people were taken care of. I just saw, I'm certainly not on a plane, but I just saw with Southwest and Southwest canceling all sorts of flights. Union comes out and says, no, this Southwest process is just jacked up. That's what happened. Their process is jacked up. Well, why is that acceptable? So then the transportation Pete Buttigieg says, we're going to get and take a look at it. Nothing's going to happen because of the weather conditions that caused the flight cancellations in the first place. However, all of that could have been avoided. And even the CEO of Southwest said, we simply have out-of-date technology and we still have a manual process. Why do they have a manual process? Because they refused people like myself that would come in, do an assessment, say, this is my price for me to fix you. Let's negotiate. Let's make a deal. Let me get in there. Let me help you out because I can anticipate what's going to be a problem. Instead, they have bean counters. The very same people I'm referring to come straight out of college, some high paid financial school who tell them these kinds of snow incidents happen once every hundred years. There's no reason to do anything about it because it's almost never going to happen. So then everybody's impacted. People who are traveling are impacted. The pilots are impacted. The stewardesses are impacted. The CEO looks like an idiot. This, that's why I believe we need stronger worker and not strong business. We need the worker to have control of the situation to where the business has no choice but to comply as opposed to the other way around. Will we get there? I think we have to. When? Probably not in our lifetimes. But hopefully somebody in a distant future will hear what I've said and take it to heart and think about it given what happened recently with this whole mass cancellations. And we've had this happen multiple times, certainly not this bad. But hopefully we'll get to the point where we actually do have that conversation. 
These things are preventable and avoidable, but it takes the worker having that autonomy because the worker is the one in the trenches. They're the ones that are thinking ahead of the bean counters up there who are overpaid for their failures. And I'll say that straight because I'm not, I am truly concerned, frankly, in the future of the country if we don't get ahead of it and we continue to allow inept leaders to steer us in the wrong direction simply because they're trying to save a buck. That's all we've got here today on Casual Talk Radio, Gentleman's World. Hopefully it's been informational, educational, and helpful for you. We upload every Monday and Wednesday, so we'll be back for our next episode. Whether you're a subscriber or not, we appreciate you for dialing in today. We know you've got choices. We will be turning back on our guest cadence. We are doing the screening process that's coming very soon. Keep up to date with what we're doing at casualtalkradio.net. You can also subscribe at the bottom to get alerts whenever there's a new episode posted, or you can add it to your platform of choice. For now, take care, and I will see you on our next upload.